Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD, if you want to follow me on Twitter. And uh, this is the show in the morning on Roto Grinders YouTube and on the website. And uh, that we, we have a replay on the podcast feed. So subscribe there, rate and review on iTunes. But this is where, uh, you know, I wake up in the morning. I didn't wake up that long ago, right? It was like maybe maybe 30 or 40 minutes ago, right? I wake up, I take my morning dump, right? Got to do that. Uh, and then I go and I look at results DB on Roto Grinders. And I take a look at the preliminary projections on Lineup HQ. And I get a sense of what's going on today and what happened yesterday. Studying top players, studying other people from yesterday's slate will help you in future slates. So this is what I this is what I personally do in the morning. And you you know you know what I love to drink when uh, when I'm doing this. It's it's the apple juice as always. It's always the apple juice. Feel free uh, keep it cold throughout the the next hour by hitting that thumbs up button. Hit the thumbs up button here on YouTube. Uh, hit the subscription. If you're new here, subscribe to the channel. Uh, hit the notification bell to know that when 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 we go live or the RG app. It'll even tell you that. If you want to just listen to the audio of this, if you're live, you could always just download the Roto Grinders app and the audio is, is in there. You can't participate in the YouTube chat. I see the people in the YouTube chat. Mike B, Shane Newman, card fan. Oh, a hub, bro. Oh, he's up early, right? He, he had a big 100K uh, score the other day. Uh, Frederick Duke, Jim Steele, Nate Bradshaw, we're all here. As always, I prioritize the YouTube people. I answer your strategy questions. We go over yet last night's slate. Uh, so feel free to type in your questions, your comments, your anything into the YouTube chat. Yesterday was, uh, it, why Why do we even bother doing preview? Is, is there a point to doing like, like, like I know Stevie. Stevie does the morning grind here on uh, on, on Roto Grinders. He records, you know, typically it's him and Will or him and Grant or, or, or Christy or someone and and they're they're recording like the night before, like and then I do this I do the show at eleven in the morning and people ask me like okay well, uh, who's good for t- who's good today who should I pick today, and we see like every day that that by by five hours from now nothing matters anymore right nothing right we had the big Harden trade yesterday right so it's like okay now that Lavert's gone Allen's gone from the Nets Prince is gone from the Nets it's like okay now we're playing a ton of Nets today. Right, we went in yesterday thinking it's like okay, we're going to look at kind of like the Mavericks, right? Porzingis is back, but you know their front court. Maybe you play some Boban. Maybe you play some uh, from Will and Cauley Stein. Nope, DeAndre Jordan. That's all that mattered, right? I mean, like things changed so much. Then Bledsoe was out, and we had uh, 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 Horford sat for load management, so that opened up Roby. So I mean, like if you're if you're thinking if you're thinking about making lineups now. Like, don't, don't, don't feel the need that you need to make decisions now. Get a sense of what's going on and then react, uh, you know, throughout the course of the day. And then by an hour before lock, then you have a, a little bit more of a sense. And even then, lock hits and then and more, more stuff happened. We had Lillard and Nurkic's game time decisions. We had Heald and Holmes as who knows if they play, right? They were more, they were more probable, right? See, see you never know. So that's why, you know, NBA DFS is, is a constantly changing thing. So you can't just like lock on and anchor the players early in the day. You have, you have, to, you have to roll with the news. You got to roll with the news. 
So, uh, so uh, we had yesterday. Uh, I, I look at at the difference between the mega eights, uh, the the fifteen dollar, eighteen dollar, whatever it was, the fadeaway, the big GPP, and the four point play, the twenty entry max, uh, three four dollar, whatever contest that is, right? And see the differences. Like the biggest difference was 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 Nikhil Alexander Walker because once Bledsoe gets ruled out, like NAW, right? NA dash W, Naw. No, nah, we call him Naw nah here. Hell no. Nah. Uh, he became one of the, he became the, the best projected player on the slate. Essentially, the best projected players on the slate were Naw nah and DeAndre Jordan. Right? At 3,400, playing most likely at least 28 minutes. Uh, and he's a more than point, one point uh, fantasy point per minute player with no Jared Allen there. Like, to me, if you were to lock anyone in, it would have been these two. Right, especially you know when it, if 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 Bledsoe was still in, then Naw wouldn't have projected as well, and the top spend up was like either Luca, Ingram, Durant. I mean that's why it's up here, right? That's why it looks like this, right? The Mega Eights it goes this way. It goes in all these contests too, but you see how dramatic it's it's lesser owned. Naw was eighty two percent in the Mega Eights, but in the four point play it was fifty five percent. So what this means is that if you're playing lower stakes contests, be more inclined to jam the, 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 the best projected plays, best projected value on the slate. Even though you think in your head, oh, they're going to be mega chalky. Oh, they're going to be mega chalky. They're not going to be chalky enough. Like once you get into the higher stakes where people don't make as many mistakes, maybe then you start thinking about fading DeAndre Jordan in a lineup, not overall. Right. I could understand if you were playing higher stakes in the mega eights and the single entries, like the higher stakes stuff, that maybe you don't make the DeAndre Jordan, Nikhil Alexander Walker lineup. You play one of them in the lineup, but you, you don't have to make one with both of them in it. Maybe instead of playing Durant, you play Bruce Brown instead and no Durant. And then you pay and then you pay up and you try to grow, find like Giannis. You play Giannis in the power forward spot or you play Durant. You fade Jordan and you look down and you see like you you play Roby in the center spot instead of a power forward spot. And then you fill that power forward spot with like a James Johnson, right? If you're not playing Luca, maybe you play James Johnson in the power forward spot. He got 26 points for 3,900, right? That's what you're trying to do in, in the fields where the, the ownership is, is more efficient. Yeah. Nash should have been 80%. Nash should have been 80 plus 90% percent plus owned. DeAndre Jordan should have been 80 plus percent owned. Well, in the Mega Eights, he was. They, they were. This is to me, this is efficient. I think 76% is actually probably over-owned for Durant in the in the Mega Eights. But in, in the four-point play, like look at this ownership, 55, 53. I think the efficient ownership was 80. So they, yeah, they were two of the most high owned players in the four-point play, but they weren't high owned enough. So I know. People that watch this show, that listen to this uh, on the podcast, you may be playing different stakes. A lot, most people play lower stakes, right? You're not playing the eight hundred and eighty-eight dollar uh, contest, right? You're not playing the the twenty-one hundred dollar single entry contest. You're not playing the Thunderdome, right? You're not playing that. So if you're playing the twenty max, the the twenty max four dollar, the twenty max one dollar, the the mini max, be more inclined. I know it sounds weird. You look, you, 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 you go, you go to lineup HQ, right? You subscribe to Roto Grinders, premium membership. You get $10 off your first month. If you click on the link below, you get these premium projections. 
You go to your projections, you go, oh, there's no, there's no way. There's, there's no way that I could, I'm going to, you're telling me, you're telling me I'm just going to jam in Nah, Jordan, Brown, Durant, and Luca, and like, like I'm going to be different enough? It's like, well, that you're, well I, only named, I only named five guys. You still have three spots left. It's like, well, it sounds chalky. Durant, Nah, Jordan, Brown, Luca. Sounds way too chalky. I need to pivot somewhere. It's like, no, they're not chalky enough. Like the, the two value plays, they, they projected too well. Nah projected for like, not less. Roto Grinders had him for like 10x median. 10x median. He's 3,100, which means his median was 31 points. Like his median score was 10x. And he ended up with 17x yesterday. So like, I don't know. I don't know how 45% of you just don't play him. So if that's going to happen in the low stakes, that's, that's what I recommend. Be more inclined. Sometimes it burns you. Yeah, you're right. Sometimes it doesn't work out. But for those ty- for those types of situations, he put he put up fifty two points for thirty one hundred. In the higher stakes, then okay, I get it, I get it. Maybe you do want to pivot a little in one lineup, not in all your lineups, but one lineup. I mean, we can take a look here, take a look in the fadeaway, the big GPP on DraftKings. A ton of one hundred fifty maxers did very well. Like the top, the top forty was like like mostly people that. Play 150 max or good players in general. Uh, but you see here, no, 90%, 74% exposed, 95, 100, 82, 50 after went a little under. Hishbu, 91%, the Colts, 88%. Like, if we take a look at no and DeAndre Jordan, like, look, like, the, none of these guys are, are fading. They're building most of their lineups around them. E after a little bit contrarian, a little bit contrarian, right? By not having Ingram. Right, not having Ingram or Nah. So who did he have? Not having Ingram. I guess he he built lineups for the the Pelicans to fail. Because I don't see any like Kira Lewis. I don't see any like really any heart. Is there any heart here? Just a little. Right. He went under on the Pelicans in general. That okay, the Pelicans just get blown out by the Clippers and then that's it. Okay, that makes sense. But you see the constructions here. Chetabisk who won this yesterday, 90% no, 83% DeAndre Jordan. Like, why Why not? Played a bunch of Luca. There you go. Didn't play Randall. Got it. Because didn't play less of Durant and Randall. That Durant-Randall combination was a, was a very chalky. So played less of it. Still played plenty of Isaiah Roby. And then paired De- Fox, Giannis, Lillard, right? That was the combination, right? Lillard plus Fox. And then the value. That's what I did. That's I mean, I, I did I did very well yesterday. I went I did well in GPP. I got I got, I think I got 12th and one in the 66 or something. I got I, I made money. I made money. I made money in cash games. You can see here. Very good, very good night. Not on Yahoo. Yahoo, I tanked, tanked on Yahoo. But uh, on DraftKings, you know, added at 600 or so, 1200 on FanDuel, lost 300. So overall, back up. We're back up. Right, I think the the highest the profit number has been has been like ninety four hundred or something. So we're getting back up there, right? It, it the, over the weekend, you see here over the weekend didn't do very well, right? So you took a dip, took a downswing, and now we're back on the upswing. So yeah, so DK is coming back up to the past the fifty five percent range. Fanduel just crushing it, but that's coming down. That used to be at eighty five percent. Yahoo is a little bit up there. Uh, It'll bounce back, hopefully. 
but it's like overall 51, 57% win rate amongst everything, 15% ROI, you know, pretty good, pretty good. But that, but that's what happens. All of this is just variance, right? Me playing cash today on the 14th, like it, it, it's not going to be related to all, oh, well, oh, it's hot. Oh, it's cold. Like that, those things don't exist. All you see is just variance. I don't care about the swings, right? I have to represent the swings, right? It goes, you know, up and down, up and down. I just care what happens. What's this number? What's that number at the end of the year, at the end of the season, right? This profit, this ROI, this win rate. I know what's that at the end of the year. Everything else is just, I can just sleep through it. Who cares? So that went well yesterday. So uh, going back into the YouTube chat, as always, you could you could you could always type in. I'll scroll back. I scroll back and that's uh, and see what questions are posted there. Uh, you have people saying good morning, good morning, good morning. Keep the apple juice cold. Let me let me test it out. Pretty cold. Hit that thumbs up button. Keep it cold throughout the show. Uh, Brandon Stinson said, cash yesterday using your advice. I used to fill out lineups in the morning or the night. Well, how about the afternoon? There's something right in the middle of that. Oh, or the night before. Okay. I used to fill out lineups in the morning or the night before and adjust a player or two. Now I filled my roster out yesterday at 6.05 p.m. and monitored news more than normal after lock. Yes. You can build a dummy lineup. Like I built a lineup. I have a lineup. I have lineups on DraftKings. FanDuel and Yahoo. And I just like, oh, okay. It's today's the, you know, he, he are still out. The Rockets don't have Harden or anyone. Uh, it's probably going to be a bunch of that. So I just fill it out just so I could use it to enter contests. But I mean, that's not the lineup I'm going to be playing. I know I'm just building it just so it's, there's a placeholder there, right? Or you build a second lineup. That's where all your GPPs are going to be, right? So you enter that a hundred times into a contest and then you could download the CSV and you could sort by like, I changed the utility position. So like, oh, I utility position on 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 my on my dummy cash lineup is Eric Gordon. My utility position in my uh, GPP lineup is David Nwaba. Doesn't mean I'm going to be using that, but at least I could download the CSV and go sort by utility position. All the Eric Gordon lineups just clear them out, and then I just have my Nwaba lineups, and I just replace those, cut and paste in Excel when I'm building a whole ton of lineups. But yeah, so. You still create a lineup, but I mean, you're doing it just as a placeholder, not because you're actually going to be playing that. Jesse Atfield asks, find myself getting caught on caught in FanDuel cash, even though I think I'm in a strong position. Uh, do you do you re-optimize your lineups no matter what before the late games, regardless of position? Yeah, why not? If you have if you have projections and you, and you you're able to get a higher projected median lineup, at least consider it. Doesn't mean you have to do it, right? Sometimes you're like, okay, maybe I block. You're in a strong position. You go, okay, well, this guy's going to be chalk and I didn't play him. And maybe you block there. But for the most part, yes. Throughout the course of the night, news changes. Starting lineups change, right? We didn't even know. We didn't know yesterday that Nikhil Alexander-Walker was going to start. We weren't sure, right? They could have just played him off the bench like he normally plays. He still would have played a lot more minutes. We didn't know Thornwell was going to, start and not Redick. Redick was going to play off the bench. So like those things matter in projections for minutes and usage. So either you're doing it yourself, 
So obviously you need to pay attention or you're, you're subscribed to Roto-Grinders and you have the Roto-Grinders premium projections. And we have a great team here with Noto and Meansy and Tuttle and, and Bob Reeves and SBK and Alan Lem and Jamino. Like they know what they're doing. So they're going to be adjusting stuff behind the scenes, right? When new, when new things, when starting lineups come out, even, that may bump up a guy two minutes, change the usage here a different way. So yes, you have to pay attention. I'm sorry to say, in NBA DFS, if you're not paying attention the whole night, you're giving up a lot of edge. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. And if the sites didn't have late swap, then you wouldn't have to worry about it. You just assess your risk and go, there's no way I'm playing Nurkic because he's a game time decision and he's in, he gets injured a lot. And you say, or some people say, I'll take the risk and I'll play him. But at seven o'clock, everything locks anyway. And then it's just, it is what it is. If someone doesn't play, you get a zero. That's, that's just the way it is. But if they're not, if they're doing late swap, NBA is the is like the sport that you need it the most because you, you you eliminate imagine imagine the imagine the Blazers half an hour before their game said oh Lillard's out and Nurkic is out well now now you should be jamming in McCollum and Gary Trent and Enos Cantor I mean like it would be all the pricing would be inefficient for the Blazers so that's that's why you need to pay attention in other sports it doesn't affect it as much in baseball. Right. Occasionally you get all oh, the guy that normally bats seventh is now batting second. It's like, okay, that ups his plate appearance expectation a little. But a lot of times it doesn't matter. A lot of times you look at a lineup and you go, okay, well, this guy's in. It's you look at the Pirates order, it's like, oh well, well, Brian Reynolds is out today and Eric Gonzalez is in at the seventh spot. It's like, but does it matter that much? Like, they're still crappy players, right? It's it, oh, you play the thirty eight hundred dollar player with a crappy thirty three hundred dollar player. It doesn't do all that much, but in basketball, it could do a lot. Bill Biller asks about game stacking. I just missed that. Is game stacking important in NBA? Correlation is weak in NBA. It's not important. I I typically, unless it's a small slate when there's not many options, the more the more players from the same team that you put on your line in your lineup. I mean, it's negatively correlated. Only one player could get a basket at a time, right? So game stacking is less important. But like we're going to see today, the Heat are still underpriced. Some of their players are still underpriced. We still have, uh, we had uh, the Rockets. Who knows who the hell they're going to be starting. They still have, they still have 10 or 11 guys, but it's a whole mess of players. So I don't know if Ga- Eric Gordon is is questionable is for, for today's day's game time decision. But like once you remove Harden and Wall from 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 the Rockets, like everyone's too cheap still. Just to figure out figure out who to play. So in those scenarios, you have multiple highly underpriced players. So yeah, you, then then you could start taking more players from the team. But if they're efficiently priced, most most likely like taking more than two from a team is is for large field GPPs. You're you're kind of limiting your ceiling. Obviously, if, yes, if they're all starters and they all go to overtime and the game goes 50 points over the total, yeah, sure, yeah, I get it. Yeah, then, then it doesn't matter anymore. But how often does that happen? Uh, let's see. Let's go through. Doug Montgomery, Montgomery talked about, you probably talked about this before. Yes, of course, but can you speak of how smash percentage and how you use it. All you're doing is comparing the smash percentage to the ownership. That's it. Smash percentage and point per dollar value and RGV or salary adjusted plus per mind. They're all, they're similar, right? They just, they weigh 
different parts of the player's projection. So if we go here, I'll show, I'll, I'll, I'll explain because people, how do you use it? Like, what do you mean? How do you, you compare it to other players, right? If this, if the highest guy's smash percentage is 28, then, then 28 is great. But 28 ain't great on the slate when, when you got guys in 50%, right? So you take a look at smash, like we don't have ownership up now, right? But I would compare like he's 40% to smash and what is his ownership? If he's going to be 12% owned like that, that's good. Right, that's a good differential to have, where a guy has forty percent chance to put up a GPP target score, but only twelve percent of the field is going to have him. So that's what I'm looking for: guys that have high smash percentages that are going to be owned less than they what they should be. But it's all in relation because this basically point per dollar is is like a raw value. So David Nwaba right now. Don't go by the projections right now, obviously, because it's eleven twenty in the morning, and who knows what's going to happen. So we have all these cheap rockets. So point per dollar wise, David Nwaba is 3,200 projected for 28 points, 33 minutes, 28 points. So his point per dollar value is 8.7. What's his value related to his salary? Because you have to realize that guys with low salaries need to put up more points on average because to give you raw points, right? Because you could play all the, oh, I'm going to play all the cheap guys and leave, what, 8,000 on the table? And you're not going to get enough raw points. So RGV is just how much, how many more points above or below is his median, median, the middle, the 50th percentile outcome compared to a salary, the, a player that you'd need for a 3,200, right? So a $3,200 player for a median needs to score about, 20.5 points to make to make value to make value something like that to make value how many points above that is david nawab's projection 7.75 edmund sumner same thing he needs to score 20.5 to to make value like not smash not gpp value just to make just just to make a salary adjusted value well, that's a half a point under to his median. So RGV is related to the median. Smash percentage is related to the ceiling. What's the GPP target score of a $3,200 player? And where is it on, where, where is his uh, smash percentile? Well, we see here that a $3,200 player I mean, when you see smash of 50%, that basically means that his median is the smash zone, right? If David Nwaba puts up 28 points, he smashes. If he put if Sterling Brown puts up 25 points for 3,000, he smashes. If Eric Gordon, his median is 34.98, his smash percentage is 44, which means his target score is around 38. So 38 appears at like the 56th percentile of his outcomes. So that's what all these mean. So smash is related to more related to winning a GPP type of score. RGV is just plus minus related to the median. So you could play guys. You could see here, you could play guys with lower RGV in relation to other players, right? Yeah, like Chris Boucher right here. You go, oh, how do I play Chris Boucher? He has a negative, he has a negative RGV. It's like, no, it just means his median, his median outcome is a quarter of a point 
below someone for a 6,500. But he still has a 30% chance of getting like, he's a 30% chance of getting 45 points. You don't care about the median as much. You care about the, the ceiling, the, the GPP target score. So that's why RGV is just, it's just, you're looking in relation to one another. You could play guys. Look, OG Ananobi. Oh, I can't blame. He's minus 2.72. Yeah, but 21% of the time, he smashes, right? Three point for Bismarck Biombo. Oh, my God. 18% of the time, he still smashes. So all, the, all RGV is, is comparing the median to, you know, how, how, what their salary is for raw points. That's why, like, in cash games, you're more likely to play guys that have higher RGVs, right? And in GPPs, you're going to play guys that have higher smash percentages. But, I mean, typically they're related to one another. I mean, we take a look at it. You know, if their median is eight points higher than their salary-adjusted value, you're more likely more likely that they're also going to have a high smash percentage, right? It, it, that's, that's the way the distribution curve looks. It's not going to get to a point that at the middle and then just drop off a cliff like a roller coaster, right? No, it's it's gonna it's gonna end up being about the same. So most likely, most likely, all three of these values, RGV, smash, and point per dollar, are going to be related to one another, right? You rarely get to see one that's way off the nut. Like no, they're it's they're it's all the same distribution. They're good. They're going to be similar enough. The same people are going to have good good all of them. Uh, rather than one great and two horrible. Like, it's just it's rarely going to happen. Okay. Uh, Jude DP asks, on line of HQ, do you configure your player groups during the day and adjust just prior to lock, or do you configure as close to lock as possible? You can do either or. It really depends. I do it closer to lock, because, I, I mean, I'm just experienced and I do it faster, right? I, I, I could build on, on a slate where I'm playing 100 lineups or so through line of HQ, I could build, I could build my player pool and all my groups, and my groups could be like I could have thirty of them in probably about five minutes. It'll, it'll take me about five minutes to do. Some people may take less. I mean, because I could just go in. Because what I'm doing a lot of times is I'm going game by game. So let's go to an easy game, a game that's not like you know everyone's out. So I go to like Charlotte, Toronto. Right. So I would normally, I would exclude all the players. Right. So I have no one in my player pool and then go game by game and see who I want to play. So I'd look at this. I go, who's, who's on Charlotte. That's, Oh, no one, no one projects well on Charlotte, but who, who projects decently enough on Charlotte. So I'm like, maybe I want to play Terry Rozier and Devante Graham, but I don't want to play them together. So I'd click to include them. And then I create the group, right? Rozier, Graham, done. Now I go to, go to Toronto. So I go, okay, I want to play Boucher and Siaka, but I don't want to play them together, right? So I go to player groups. I go Boucher, Siaka. Maybe I do want to make a player group. What's the, you know, maybe I maybe I want to make, uh, if I'm playing uh, Siakam, that I need to play one of these guys. Maybe, maybe I want to do that. So I'll just create the other group. Siakam. As a conditional player, put Rogier, put uh, Devontae Graham, and set it to min one, max one. So every Siakam lineup has those two. So that's what I could do this all in five minutes, right? So I could go through all these all these games. It could be an 11-game slate. It'll take me a little longer for an 11-game slate. But that's what I'm doing. So you could do it throughout the day if you want, I mean, essentially. But I'm not really making those types of decisions until, until the end. And let's say... Later on, I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I do play some Fred Van Vliet, right? So maybe I go back. Do I have to make any rules for for 
fit them into a group. Do I want to play them all together? Maybe I can play Van Vliet with Boucher, but not with Siakam. So I'll create that group. I go Van Vliet, I go Siakam. So like Van Vliet plus Boucher is fine, but not Van Vliet plus Siakam because of the prices. I would come back and do that. So this could this could this list could be long in doing those types of things. Maybe I come back and relax it. Maybe I'm like, oh screw it. I don't need I don't need to run back or anything. Maybe I just go there. Doesn't matter, right? Or I disable it or something later. You could do it throughout the day. I just, I I'm experienced enough that I could I could I could breeze through this in in five minutes for a slate this size like tonight. Yeah, less 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 than five minutes. But if if you if if you're not if you're not up to speed on lineup HQ, like yeah, do it throughout the day. Experiment, right? Put put start putting in groups throughout the day and then start making builds and go holy crap I I screwed up, right? You'd you'd rather you'd rather experiment and screw up earlier in the day than five minutes before lock. There's there's so many people that like, learn how to use the tool first. We have tons of videos. We have free videos. We have premium videos all about lineup HQ and my process, Brit's process, Squirrel Patrol's process. We got we got tons tons of videos on people's processes and all the functionality of lineup HQ. Learn that. But I'm a, I'm a different type of person, I guess, right? When I was a kid, when I was a kid, uh, you know, you got a new video game, right? You're like, you're like 11. Like I got, I got what? I remember getting NH, when NHL hockey came out for the Genesis or something like that, right? Because I played all the EA games when I was younger. You're like, you're all excited. Most kids just took the cartridge out of the box and plunked it in and started playing. No, I read the entire instruction book. I read the entire instruction book and then I would look through the strategy guides and then I would look online. Even back then I was on, I was on the uh, BBSs and AOL. I'm looking for like, uh, this is before I even turned the game on. Like I'm that type of person. So, you know, getting involved with, uh, with DFS and all these functionalities of tools, like I'm, I'm the type of person that's like, I ain't going to use this for a slate with my real money until I learn everything. Until I learn everything about it. Do, do you have to do that? No. But it would make more sense to to try out, sign up for premium, use the link in the description, $10 off your first month, and and experiment and pretend you're playing. Even if you're not going to play tonight's slate, pretend you are and see what things do. Trial and error. It's better to do that in the middle of the day. It's better to do that with for no money at stake or or enter the, the nickel minimax on FanDuel or something. Like, I'm going to play a hundred lineups into that. And that's five bucks. So what's the worst case scenario? Screw it up. You need to lose five bucks. Okay. Do something like that. The dime time on, 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 on DraftKings. And then if you screw things up, you know, okay. That, that's, that's the price of learning. But I see so many people. Sometimes it's like, oh, I entered, you know, you know, the $18 fade away. I 150 max did. And then like, they don't understand. I'd use lineup HQ. It's like, dude, I can't teach you this in three minutes. Right, you have a, you have, you have an issue like you. Oh, I've never used this before. Like, really, you you could you're gonna put down three thousand dollars worth of entries without without ever using the tool before? Like, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I wouldn't do that. Like, I, I like line of HQ and all, but I mean, you still have to learn how to use use use. What's this button do? What's this lock button to do? Does that? What's oh okay? I mean, they all most optimizers all do about the same things. It's just a matter of the user interface, like where are you where it is that you do that. So that, that don't rush 10 minutes before lock 
and uh, and, and and go, oh my God, I don't know how to use it. And it's like, here's a two hour video. I don't have time for a two hour video. Well, you should have watched it beforehand. You should have watched it beforehand. Uh, Trevor McElroy, do you always play the same amount of cash versus GPP? Like as a percentage of your total entry fees? Not necessarily. But I try to keep it like that. I mean, GPPs are going to be high variance. So like, like I, I stick to around that's 80-20-ish type of thing, but doesn't mean you'd have to, right? It's it's all a matter of risk tolerance to you. Sometimes I'm 75-25. Depends on the GPPs that I'm playing, right? I mean, my cash game is just my, I mean, you see what I'm doing for cash games. I have, I there's no thought process behind it, right? I'm playing 10% of whatever this number is, split amongst three sites. So tonight I will be playing close to $2,900. And if it goes up, then I'll be playing $3,200. And then what, whatever. And then my G, whatever, what, I, what I do in GPP is more, it should be more related to the percentage of your bankroll than like percentage of cash versus GPP. Because like for me, this amount of money in my bankroll is, is a small amount. So like my starting bankroll was to 10% of my bankroll. So technically I'm risking about 1% of my bankroll per day in cash games. So how much in GPP? You could you could risk a half a percent. That's $1,400 based on this. You could risk 0.2%. I mean, it, it should be that type of thing, not what am I playing? You could play $5,000 worth of cash and $500 in GPP. And that, sure, you play $5,000 in cash and $4,000 for GPP. That, that's fine also. They should be, they, they're not related to one another, even though it's the same slate. Don't think in terms of these arbitrary periods. How much money did I make tonight? Well, what does tonight matter on this slate? What does this slate matter? Well, how much money did I make this week? So what does the seven-day period matter? Every slate is not related to one another. So like if you're if you're if you're playing seriously or professionally or for a, a large chunk of your income. It just all that matters is what 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 what's at the end. What it's one long DFS game. DFS doesn't end today. Like if it ended today, yes, I need to make money today. But outside of that, like when people are, oh Fanduel, you're doing well. Why don't you put more money into Fanduel? It's like how do I know that this isn't just variance, right? I'm just going to diversify. I'm treating this like a stock, right? I'm using the RG projections, making cash lineups, and I'm just it's a stock that I'm going to be withdrawing six months from now when the NBA season is over. So whether it goes up or down today, what does it matter? You could say the same thing for GPPs if you play. Like, what does it matter today, right? So if I lose in cash and win in GPP and I make $200 today, what does that matter? Today, this week, this month, this year. It's just, it's one long game. So never never think in terms of like, what, what, what do I need to balance today? It's like, wh- where is their edge? And where can you grab it, right? If you see a contest is overlaying, it's like, oh, okay, maybe I'll play that. So sometimes you have unbalanced, you're playing some, some days, maybe you're not playing any cash games. Maybe some days you're just playing cash games. Maybe there's, maybe there's a day where, uh, you know, your, your wife wants you to watch a movie at 9.30 at night with her or nine o'clock on The Bachelorette is on or who knows. And you know that there's like three 10 p.m. games that have news in it. And you go, well, maybe I'm going to play lighter today. Maybe I'm not going to play 100 GPP lineups. Because I know that once 9 o'clock comes, the only thing I'm going to be able to do is to check on my phone, see if there's an RG app alert on if someone's sitting, and then 
maybe change the lineup on the phone. So you go, okay, then I'm not going to, I'm either not going to play it all that night or going to play lighter or just going to play cash. Just going to play one lineup and just whatever. I could fix one lineup on the phone next day on, on the couch, right? You could do those types of things. You don't have to feel, you don't have to feel like you need to play the same amount every day, the same contests, the same everything, exactly, you know, 80, 20, 60, 40, this thing, that, no. It's related to the slate. Sometimes we see slates where there's so much overlap that I just start entering a ton of head-to-heads. Go, I need to reduce the variance as much as possible, right? We see we see these slates where it's the secret chat, right? Because like, like if you didn't play like, Nikhil Alexander-Walker and DeAndre Jordan and, and Durant. And I mean, like the cash lines on DK were like 2v2s at, at best. I thought it would actually be more duplicated, uh, at some of them. And this is without talking to one another. So if I don't feel like there's that much edge on that type of slate, I want to reduce my variance as much as possible. Not play as many double-ups. If I'm going to play cash games, it'll be primarily head-to-heads or, or triple-ups, or at least I get the upside of my 2v2 or something like that. But every slate will be different. So don't necessarily think in terms of what do I do today, every day. Think in terms of based on this slate and, and my situation, what would be the best allocation of my bankroll today? And that's it. Let's see. Going through the YouTube chat. Uh, let's see. Hit the thumbs up button. Still got to check the apple juice. Pretty good. Kai Roach says, I think people are missing stacking opportunities versus these teams missing ton of players like the Heat and the Nets. Their defensive rotations are going to get messed up when they lose three or four rotation players at once. Yeah. I noticed yesterday that, you know, it was surprising that the Sixers weren't as high owned as they should have been, like Embiid yesterday. Because if you're going to play three or four, five Heat, and you're going to play no one from the other side of the game that that also was kind of shorthanded also, right? No, I get, I get, I get that completely. That's what I try to do. I just thought Embiid yesterday, the day before yesterday, was uh, was was going to be higher on than he was. He ended. Up, I thought he would be thirty percent on. He came in sixteen. If I knew that, I would have played much more of him, right? I would have played instead of one out of five of my lineups. He would have been in like three or four out of my five lineups. QQ in your smaller single entry GPP. This is from Michael Lingenfelter. Uh, in your smaller single entry GPP, approximately what range of median projection are you comfortable giving up while train while training to while training to pivot and gain leverage? Uh, there's no specific number. I'm going to keep on saying this. There's no specific number because every slate is different. People look at it, here. Here's here's the way you know you're not asking a proper. I want to use proper, not the word stupid, right? You know me from outside of Roto Grinders. Maybe I'll call this stupid. If you can name, if you could, if if the you ask a question, if it's phrased in a way where the answer would be in a specific number, then it's not a good question. If it's phrased in a way where the answer would be yes or no, it's not a good question. Those are the two things. So understand that. Ask a question and go. Can this be answered by an actual an exact number? or a yes or a no. And if the answer, if, if you can be, then you're not, then you're going to get it. It depends from me because it depends on the slate. We have these slates now where 
guys are sitting and like, like Nikhil Alexander Walker, for instance, like on yesterday's slate, how much media am I willing to give up? Well, you could give up if you fade, like for instance, yesterday, if you fade Nick Naw and Jordan yesterday, your median lineup will be like 10 plus points below everyone else. Like that have one of these two players, right? You're going to give up. If you, if you faded uh, Walker, you're, you're giving up like eight. If you faded Jordan, you're probably giving up another four. That's 12. But if they both fail, like you're going to make that all up because how high they're owned in this contest, in the mega eights, they're not nearly as leveraged in the four-point play, even though they're 50% owned. You're not gaining as much leverage. But in the mega eights, if Naw failed and put up 17 even, just 17, and DeAndre Jordan got into foul trouble and put up 17, because in the mega eights, they're 80 plus percent uh, owned each. I could give up 12 points in median projection for that, that amount of leverage. I can't give up 12 points of projection for this amount of leverage in the four point play, right? Or in whatever contest you're in. So it really depends on the ownership of the players in the contest and the constructions you can make without it. It's not a matter of I'm going to fade Naw and then play another $3,100 player. You're just going to build a different construction. Like Kevin Durant. Can you fade Kevin Durant? Of course you can. I You could have made lineups with, yesterday with Kevin Durant, not in it, and have it be two or three points under median, which is fine to give up. Two or three points? Any contest, that's fine. You get so much leverage in the Mega 8s by doing it. I'm only, I only have to give up three points in median to get this much leverage in the Mega 8s? Not as much in here, but still enough because he's, he's a $9,400 player at power forward, right? It's not, it's, not a third, it's not a 3K level player. So it's like I'm much more willing to, I'm, I'm much more willing to give up median projection to fade Durant than I am to fade the, the, cheap, the cheap chalk, right? It's much easier for them to get there, but it also depends on the contest that you're in. You get more leverage in the higher. You got, I got more leverage here versus more leverage there because you're looking to balance that out. How much media am I sacrifice? How much projection am I sacrificing? And for the amount of leverage that I'm getting, the amount of leverage you get is different from contest to contest. So maybe you're not getting enough. Maybe, maybe you could give up 12 points. That sounds like in most NBA slates, 10 points is a lot of projection to give up. But if you can, if, if it, there's a chance, I'm not even saying that that's even smart to do. Like 12 points may still be too much to give up in the mega eights. But if you play one of them, I'm going to give up six points and then fade Durant and give up another four, right? I'm going to play, I'm not going to play any of the nets. Screw it, right? I'm just saying fade the game. So I'm not playing, I'm not playing Bruce Brown, I'm not playing Durant, and I'm not playing Jordan, but I am playing Naw. Like in the mega eights, that would that you, it's possible. You're getting close to the line of the, you're giving up a little too much, but at least I understand it. Like you're because you're getting enough leverage here. But in the in the in the contest that that these guys are owned even even less, like probably not. You don't want to give up 14 points in medium projection like that. But there are gonna be slates that there's not screaming value. We don't, we're not seeing that that often recently. Guys are out, guys are in, 3K guys are, you know, Gabe Vincent goes off the 12X, you know, these types of slates. But in order to fade one of these guys, like you're going to be giving up a lot of media projection. But 
on a slate where value is thin, we'll we'll eventually get to there, right? Where where there's a slate where it's like uh, there's really uh, uh, like no one no one stands out. Do you want to give up ten points? Then probably not, because you could probably make when when most of the players when most of the players. I mean, we're seeing here guys with 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 values that are ridiculous. Like to fade all of these guys would be you're gonna, your your median is going to be so low. But on slates where none of these guys are here, like let's say Harden was still there, and you know the the Heat all uh, Butler was back and Adebayo was back, and you looked and you see like oh there's no like there's no obvious value like there's not there's nothing, there's, but someone's going to end up being chalky. Someone's you know they're going to be chalky players, but the difference between lineups is going to be minimal. So on a slate where people are efficiently projected, right? If it, like they're efficiently priced and projected, nothing stands out. You can build a lineup with a 290 median. And then the, 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 next, the next 500 lineups are between 286 and 290 because everyone's projected efficiently. So like you can make a lot of combinations of guys of the same, like you have five guys that are projected about the same and they're efficient. So it's like uh, play whoever you want at that point, right? So you can make a lot more combinations. So do you want to give up 10 points of projection in those cases? No, you don't. Because there's so many more higher projected lineups than that. But the only way on slates like this to get lineups that have 10 points, like yet you're fading someone that projects extremely well. And once you start playing multiple of those extremely well-projected players, like that you're not getting any as the, enough leverage or you need to find a way to get leverage. Like we take a look at yesterday and like, okay, I'm going to play. No, nah, I'm going to play Jordan. I'm going to play Brown. I'm going to play Durant. Like you're like, like yes, these lineups are going to be highly projected. If you fade any of them, you're going to lose a lot of projection, but that's the only way you lose projection. There's no other way to lose projection to gain leverage. So you, you're going to have to. So that's why on slates with big value like this, like you you are more willing to sacrifice projection for leverage because that's the only way you could do it. But on slates where there's no value, there's no screaming value, when Cam Johnson off the bench is the value, you, you just see, go into lineup HQ and build 300 lineups just with defaults and see the difference. If you build 300 lineups now with this, you're going to see a ton of these cheap value plays, right? That are good. But if everything was efficient and you built 300, you wouldn't see like a guy that's in 100% of lineups, right? You wouldn't see that. You wouldn't see a guy that's in 88% of lineups. You'd see a lot of, you know, yeah, the, the, the best quote value would be in 55% of lineups. Then you see a guy that's uh, 48% of lineups. Like in those slates, you... You don't want to give up that as much median because you don't gain anything by it. There's so many more lineups that could project close to each other. There's less amount of lineups that project close to each other in situations like today, where you got all this Houston value, the Miami players, where, like, how, how else are you going to build a lineup? Like, mo- you're going to see a lot of overlap, even in GPPs. So the only way to lose projection is by fading. I hope that I hope that's understandable. Let's see. Ricky S, do you do this process for GPPs right? Because 
uh, in, for cash, you probably want to have all of the player pool. Oh, when I exclude all the players? Yep. Most, uh, most of the players that I'm including are all the highly well-projected players. So most likely, if, if I'm running the lineup preview on the sidebar for cash games, like it's it's very rare that I do not have uh, uh, an optimal cash lineup in my player pool because I'm, I'm only playing the, the best-projected players anyway, right? I may be included some somewhat poorly projected players, but I'm, I'm rarely in my player pool, not just saying, oh, the guy's going to be 80% down X amount. Like, I know I'm, I'm going to have, it's going to be someone, something there. So it's, it doesn't matter, the player pool-wise. Uh, Nate Branshaw. Uh, let's see. Let me scroll. I missed it. Did I miss it? I'm scrolling through. This is what I'm doing when I'm scrolling through. Let's see. Go through the YouTube trap. I missed it. Okay, now I got it. Is there a tool on RG that analyzes the variance of different players? Helpful, helpful identifying those boom bust guys versus the more safe players, especially when it comes to value plays. You can do that right. That's what the floor and ceiling are. And the smash is. That's all That's all you have to look at. You, you These floor and ceilings are not like linear. Right? So the distribution curve is going to be different. So typically, guys that like Damien Lillard, narrower range of outcomes. Typically when the smash percentage is low, even though their projection is high, means they have a little bit more narrow range. If you see a smash percentage that's high, but their RGV is minus, that's a volatile player, okay? That, that's that's almost a better way of looking at it. So let, let me go by smash percentage. So let's say I sorted right here by smash percentage. So... If the lower RGV means that the more volatile they are, because their median is going to be way off compared to it. So Ben McLemore here, because he's obviously shooting dependent. So he's a 38% smash, but not as high as these other guys above his median. Salary adjusted plus minus. So that would be more volatile. Gabe Vincent would be more volatile. Precious would be more volatile. Chris Boucher on this slate. Chris Silva, right? You don't know. 17 minutes, he could do a lot in 17 minutes or he could do nothing, right? So you're kind of looking at that. The difference, if you, if you have like negative RGV players that have decent smash percentages, those, those would be more volatile players. But you, I mean, you could also see it in the floor and the ceiling. You could eyeball it. So yeah, you don't need a tool for that. You could just look at the projections every day. Let's see, going down. Got a couple of minutes left. Uh, Bill DeVault. Oh, our moderator, Bill DeVault. He keeps everyone in 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 behaved in our Discord. Uh, he he does six percent of his bankroll per day instead of ten percent, as it scares him, which is fine. Hey, truthfully, I'm doing one percent, Bill. I'm doing one percent. The twenty thousand is really just ten percent of my actual bankroll. So. I'm truthfully only playing 1% of my bankrolling cash. So I'm still six times more conservative than you are. I'm a nit. I'm such a nit. I probably could have made over a million dollars if I was riskier, but, uh, but I don't need all the money, right? My, my goal, that's why it all has to do with your goals. My goal is uh, to never have a real job. That that's really my ultimate goal. My, my, since I was 23 years old, I'm 41. Now I've never had a quote real job. Go to an office, right? And, uh, hey, guys, the water cooler, you know, crap. Never had that. So my goal is that. I've, I'm, I'm, I'm pr- pretty pragmatic. I don't need all the money. So 
So one percent is fine. Six percent, whatever, whatever your, your your risk tolerance is, that that's what you should be doing. Let's see. Right, Robert Brolinski even says, once you realize that there's so much variance, you realize not to use a huge percentage of your role. Right, there's a lot of variance. And I I know that there's a lot of variance and even I underestimate it, right? There's that much variance in, in sports on a day-to-day basis. Let's go through. Uh, Sean West asks, do you put your cash game lineups in GPP and single entry? Uh, it depends on the lineup. If I know that that my lineup is going to be a little bit different, maybe I'll throw it into a low single entry. Maybe I throw it into, I'm more likely to throw it into quints and triples and whatever. Because typically, if you're building if you're building a cash game lineup that could win first place in a large field GPP, you're building really bad cash game lineups. Okay, I can tell you that. Okay, so most likely uh, playing it in, in GPP unless it's a really small field is is negative EV. If you're building good cash game lineups. Uh, let's see. When you say, okay, Ronald Coley asks, when you say you don't want to give up this many points of projection, is that from an overall optimal lineup? Yes. So I would run to see what is the optimal lineup based on median projection. Maybe it's 290. So that is my baseline. Okay. How many, how many points do I, am I willing to give up? 286. How much ownership do I gain? How much leverage do I gain for giving up four points? If I don't get anything, I'm just giving up four points for nothing, then I shouldn't be giving up four points, right? If I'm getting a ton of leverage and I'm only have to give up four points, give me that lineup. I want to play that lineup. So yes, it's it's the overall lineup difference between the optimal, which is basically the highest projected lineup based on your projections and what your current lineup, what lineup you're looking at currently is oh uh, let's see let's see Kai Roach says in four weeks NBA has poisoned my mind and I no longer have any clue how to construct NFL lineups what does it matter right and I'm done with NFL I, I gotta play this weekend I'm on the lineup HQ shows with Tambo this weekend so I gotta play this weekend but if you don't want to play NFL anymore don't play NFL I'm in NBA mode now Everett Ellis asks about uh, finding uh, lineup HQ tutorials and uh, Devin did post the link in the chat. We have tons of tutorials free. You can go to my YouTube channel. Also, I have a list of all of my free tutorials, but we have premium tutorials on, uh, on Rotopunker. So you could, you know, if you sign up, you could go, you could go through there. There are probably, like I said before, I'm the type of person that I'm not going to, I'm not going to go all in until I can read or watch everything. Okay, that's what I did. In to- October of 2015 was when I started playing DFS. But I, I looked into it like two or three weeks previous to that. I didn't make a deposit yet. And I, I, I found Roto-Grinders. I read everything I possibly could. I, I literally read everything. Free, that was on Roto-Grinders. Uh, watch videos. Game theory, that was used to there was these old game theory videos. I watched all of that. I spent probably 40 hours before I even played a game, anything. You could do that now. We have the entire back catalog. You could probably watch 80 to 100 hours of video on NBA, MLB, lineup HQ, NFL, game theory, everything, all in Roto Academy, all in the premium videos and the free videos, lineup HQ processes, thoughts from all of our analysts, 
before you even enter a contest, if you want. So, I mean, uh, to me, even if you want to sign up for a month and, and watch all of that and then cancel, I mean, I, I way, way worth the value to even just do that. So go to rotogrinders.com slash premium and you get $10 off your first month by clicking on the link in the description. Can we get one more question before we get out of here for today? As always, you could show you could show up here 11 in the morning Eastern on YouTube, on the Roto Grinders YouTube, and you you could ask your questions. If you're if you're listening to the podcast later, you're watching later, like just show up, ask your question. You see, you see how this goes. Sometimes we go in one direction, sometimes we go in the other direction, sometimes we talk a lot about last night, sometimes we don't talk a lot about last night. This is this is kind of you know, that kind of kind of a, a, a DFS school in the morning. And uh, and whoever's in YouTube that wants to have a question, I, that, that's who I prioritize. So sometimes we talk about different things on different days. Sam Bennett says, Blender, thank you. You've started changing my thinking when you joined RG this past year, and I've profited 6,000. I really have learned a lot from the game theory perspective and appreciate your advice. Well, thank you. Glad to hear. Glad to hear you. you're up money as long as you're not in my contest. I always have to throw that in, right? I don't want you to take my money. <laughs> uh, but yes, so hit the thumbs up button. Hit the thumbs up button on your way out the door. Thummy thumbs and the subscribe scribes and the notification belly bells. Uh, am, I, am I going too far with that? And, uh, and uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Rate and review it there. Because most of the reviews on iTunes for that feed is from the Daily Fantasy Fix. So it's a lot of people saying how great Dan Bach is. I want to. I want to know how. I, I want people to praise me, right? I don't want to see. Oh, Dan Bach's great on this show. No, it's the DFS pregame show now. It's the DFS pregame show on iTunes. So go there and put a good word in. Give a five star review. Give, give a three star review. Give a one star review and tell me how much you hate me. As, as long as you hey, as long as you mention me, all press is good press, right? So go there uh, right now. And uh, and until till tomorrow, we got we got we got Houston, we got Heat, we got this is gonna be this will be one of those slates where you're gonna be playing a David Nwaba chalk. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? What Houston players are you playing? So so until tomorrow, uh, I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blenderhead, Blender HD on Twitter, and this has been the DFS pregame show here on RotoGrinders.com.